Okay, good morning. We're dealing with uh we're dealing with uh how to understand visions, dreams and trances. Biblical terms uh in which God communicates through people in the New and Old Testament. And so a question that is this uh, is this uh, valid for today? Yes. To know this and understand this. You won't believe uh, when you have 500 people in front of you in a church somewhere and you ask a question. How many of you have dreams? And it's going to be a lot of hands. I mean, everybody just lifts their hands. Yes, I had a dream. Some are valid. Some are invalid. And so to deal with it and to understand it, I don't think it's contrary to balance and reason. If it is something that God is communicating with his people. What is the scripture yesterday? Numbers. Numbers 12.6. Yesterday, as God... Uh, read it, John. And he said, Hear now my words... If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision and will speak unto him in a dream. Yes. That's God speaking to Miriam and Aaron as they question the uh, authority of Moses. God says, I speak in visions. If there's a prophet among you, I will speak to him or to her through a vision in dreams. And so... As we study, and we've been through dozens and dozens of scriptures, this is valid for today to understand life, to minister to people where they are. Uh, and so, today I'm going to talk about discernment of spirits. Uh, you'll probably ask me, why are you going to spend 30 minutes on talking about a topic that you talk so much about it already? Why to repeat it? Uh, this morning, when uh, uh, you already consider this topic uh, a lot, because when dealing with visions and dreams, discerning of spirits is very applicable, applicable, very needed. It it actually expands your knowledge of discerning of spirits. Okay. Now I want to make a point. There is. The word general discernment or, or life discernment, which is a product of study, examination, age. And the church needs that as you study, as you uh, be sensitive. For instance, if you are a young lady and you have a mother-in-law, uh, a balanced person that's been in Sunday school and heard the word, will be very careful on how to relate to your mother-in-law or to your father-in-law because the age gap is very predominant. One guy is 75, 70 years old, and the girl is 35. And so she's not old enough to balance out uh, what the 70-year-old is experiencing. 
But if there's knowledge in her, ability in her, wisdom in her, meditation in her, sharing her faith in being in the presence of the Lord, uh, discernment grows, which is general discernment, basic discernment that comes into with life experiences. For instance, when you look at uh, Tara Dunn, okay, and Tara have that beautiful smile that she has when she says hello to you. Uh, that simply means that she's communicating a very positive thing. But if I look at you, Taylor, and you just don't turn a blank, not a muscle, and you give that dead fish look, it means you're not there or you've been fishing too long. Huh? I want the fish. <laughs> So, so this is a hungry boy. Excuse me, ladies and gentlemen. This boy is so hungry, I can't stand. So, when I look at Matthew, Matthew has a a happy look, okay. And of course, uh, Raymond is constantly cracking up. So, communication and learning and growth in church and community environment, scriptures, and balanced life gives you discernment of regular perception of who is in front of you or how to do it. Perception is the word here, okay? Discernment, as you grow as a Christian, you have a higher level of perception. Read Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, John, because that will clear up a little for us. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. That's general discernment. That is basic discernment of life. Say it again, John, one more time. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Yes. If you are talking to someone that can decide for you something important, you treat that person very well. You know, today, for instance, I've uh, met a man who's going to cut a tree for me. His name is Mr. Pinto. And so Mr. Pinto said to me, uh, oh, that's, uh, it's, uh, termite is bad. Uh, it's, it's, it needs to come down. It's all the way up there. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Then he says, uh, uh I say, uh, uh, 600, what do you think? He said, oh, oh, 700 would be much better. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay. Now, he could have said, no way. I'm not going to do this. Come on now. What's the matter with you? I got three shorts at top of the dollar. Okay, not this man. He's seasoned. He's balanced, full of wisdom. In a gentle voice, he said, well, I'd be much more happy if he could be 700. What, 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 what do you think? He couldn't fight that. Gentle man, tender voice, you understand? Yes, I'll give 700. But I gave 700 on his response. So when you have life experiences, your general discernment increases. And you're not just a pain to be around. I'm referring to me. So... When we deal with discerning 
discerning of spirits. Distinguishing of spirits. It's totally different. It's above our natural ability to learn. It is a supernatural gift of God. It has nothing to do with a degree in psychology. Am I communicating? And second, nothing you can do to have it. Nothing you can do to deserve it. There's nothing you can do to get it. It's, it's God-given. And what is, uh, what is 1 Corinthians 12, John? I think that's the scripture. I might, yeah. What is 1 Corinthians 12, 7? 7? Yeah. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit withal. In other words, if the gifts are allowed to function properly which they definitely will, if the Holy Spirit has His way, all will profit. All will profit. All persons will profit with the move of God. So what are you talking about here? I'm talking about an atomic spiritual bomb that can change the way you relate to people. Because you don't quite manage or live into the the, 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 being, the basic general discernment or how to respond. It, 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 if it operates within you to deal with people. Uh, now, it has blessed me abundantly because I have a very intellectual mind. I'm a very studious person. Uh, I'm, I'm full of degrees. And, and I, what I came to understand is that those <laughs> degrees don't help I have to use a proper word now. It does help me to be more balanced, more qualified, study the Scriptures. I thank God for my education. But the move of the Holy Spirit in discerning of spirits through my life has led me to bless a lot of people that otherwise I could not even touch. And you have to make a decision as to who you are as a Christian. You're going to operate by your senses, or you're going to operate by the Holy Spirit. Pastors are literally constantly in trouble in the local church because they want their mind, their brains to solve problems that are of spiritual nature. When you go fix a car and you have a tire that is flat, you don't bring a flashlight with you. That will not help your period. If you need to drill something on a hole somewhere, uh, on a cement, don't bring a toothbrush. That's not going to do it. you got to have something that drills right through that rock. And so, only God can bestow on someone this gift, discerning of spirits. And here's my definition, John 4, 7. Run, John, just uh, hold it right there. Whoever has that, uh, I'm, I'm going to give you my definition. And there's a, there are many approaches to discerning of spirits, okay? And I'm giving you what I've experienced, so you can agree or not, but this is what it is. Discerning of spirits is a spiritual operation when God wants to minister to someone in need. Is activated by need. If there's a need in someone, 
and you are open to the intervention of the Holy Spirit to minister to that person, that might happen and might not. My experience is that as you engage in actually being, trying to help somebody, it will operate. It will operate. More times than none. John 4, 7. Yeah. There comes a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. Now, honestly, a Jew teacher to ask a woman for a cup of water since she was a Samaritan, it's not kosher. So the Holy Spirit of God, by the time she approached Jesus to hear what he's had to say, it's already engaged in personal ministry. And if you study this scripture with this concept all the way to the end, you're going to realize that discerning of who she was was the first thing that happened, discerning of spirits. That's a woman that had five husbands. The one she had now wasn't her husband. And God dealt with that woman right in the beginning by asking a cup of water. In other words, ministry led by the Holy Spirit in terms of discerning of spirits will reveal to you distinguishing the spirits. It's a move of God for the benefit of somebody else. Anybody want to comment on that? Yeah, there's, you know... There's a lot of pastors who depend on their life experience of perception. And in most of church culture in America, the good pastors are the ones who uh, have learned how to have that sort of human experience and perception and how to deal with people on that level. And they're really businessmen in a way. Yeah. And, I, and I don't want to put them down, but that that's it's totally different than what you're saying. Yes, and, uh, and nothing wrong with having a charisma about yourself. Nothing wrong with having an approach in language, the way, you know, I talk a certain way with a little accent, don't I? Did you, you hear that? Yeah. See, I don't hear that. Never do, do, you never noticed it. Yeah. So, but you do, I do have a little accent, don't it's, I? It's not, it's not a Portuguese accent, though. No, it's, <laughs> it's no. a southern accent. It's a, it's a southern draw. Yeah. It's a it's, southern draw. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Go, Dixie. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I understand that. Well, but, but look, that ability that I have to be who I am and communicate has nothing to do with discerning of spirits. You can, I can get your attention, but the cookie crumbles when your need calls me to bring an approach to fulfill it and to be a blessing to your life. Um, just in contrast to, to John's comment also, um, it's not for yourself. It's not a selfish thing of, oh, I have discerning of spirits so that I can read people's mail. It's not something I have, and, and there are those who are seeking it to have it for themselves. Yeah. It's about need, like yeah, you're this, saying. This approach has been derogatory <laughs> it's about to the ministry of the Holy of Spirit because I don't want to read anybody's email. In fact, I can't read my own. <laughs> In other words, I, I just don't, don't, don't quite think that's a good approach. But uh, the Holy Spirit informs the one praying or counseling of the spiritual nature present, demonic or holy. I mean, in contrast, I mean, to balance out John's comment, that there's pastors that are very good. They're businessmen. They're very good. 
at helping someone's need. Out yes. Of, but then there are those who are just seeking this mm-hmm. for their own selves, for their own need to say, hey, look, I have this great spiritual gift. I can read people's mail. Okay. And that makes, that's, that's disgusting. Right. It's not a perception. It's information. It's not a suggestion. It's data. It is not logical. It is revealing. Now, you ask me then, how about the senses? What does your senses do in terms of the work of the Holy Spirit? A lot of people uh, teach that uh, when you smell something good, God is present. You know, I'm in the altar and I'm smelling roses. Well, behind me is a bunch of them. Uh, And so you can make a mistake on dealing with senses. Uh, it's not a question of uh, uh, smell, sight, taste, and touch, and hearing. That can confirm that of the presence of God. I'm not against that. It can confirm the presence of God. But at the same time, does not give any more information. And discerning of spirits is information about the holy or the unholy. Look at Hebrews 5, 4. Go ahead. And no man takes this honor unto himself, but he who is called of God, as was Aaron. 5.14? 5.14? 14. Yes. But strong meat belongs to them who are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So the senses can exercise good and evil. That's pretty good, isn't it? Aren't you impressed? <laughs> I'm trying to wake them up. So your senses can detect good or evil. But when God speaks through you, through discerning or distinguishing of spirits, it has a set mind to bring healing to the one you are praying for. Amen? Now, what is it then, the primary, and I need to get into the material for for, for the seer here, the, uh, the Ra and the Chosa, the Gazer and, uh, and, uh, and uh, the Ra, which means the visionary person that sees dreams, and then the prophet on the right side that hears from God. So I've been talking for about 20 minutes on discerning or distinguishing of spirits. And so I want to make a connection between that material that I've been teaching for five or a couple of weeks now, and uh, uh, in the teaching this morning on distinguishing of spirits. Discerning of spirits, the first thing it does, it discerns the Holy Spirit. John 1, 32 and 34. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove. 
and it abode upon him, and I knew him not. But he who sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom you shall see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same as he which baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Now, this is John's point of view. Is that right? John was present at the baptism of Jesus. John saw what he saw. So let's take a look from the perspective of John, what he saw. One more time, John. But remember, you are, you are looking into the Apostle John and what he saw. And he is verbalizing in writing what he saw. Take a look. And John bare record, saying, I saw... And John bear record, saying, I saw... Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. What do you mean? What do you say, Betty? Okay, is that, you have a microphone there, Betty? Okay. Just saying, so my translation saying? says John bore witness. Okay. Did you hear that? Pretty strong and pretty like pretty legal, strong, like legal. <laughs> a legal doc. In other words, I saw what I'm writing about. Then what? I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove. Okay. Now, it was a dove, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Is there in the scriptures? Any reference that the Holy Spirit is represented by a dove? Where? Luke 3.22 says the same thing. Okay. But what I'm saying to you is that before this scripture, the dove didn't represent the Holy Spirit. It was a dove. So how did John discern the Holy Spirit? He had a revelation from God that the presence, that the community, the communion, the environment was the presence of God. So don't put your eyes that the dove convinced him was the Holy Spirit. The presence of the Holy Spirit is much greater than the dove. Do you hear me? And so what really distinguished, I'm talking about distinguishing of spirits. What he saw was something holy, a presence of the holy God coming down from heaven on the head of his son Jesus Christ. That's what really happened during that exchange. The presence of God was overwhelming over the place. People are crying. People are being slain in the spirit. People are being convicted. And there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, literally thousands of them. And in the midst of all that crowd, right there at the edge of the water, is John the Baptist pouring Jesus under the water. It wasn't sprinkling, okay? You don't get in the water and sprinkle water. You duck on on it. And he laid Jesus down. When Jesus came up, and walked outside of the water into the dry space. Take a look. Um, where did I leave off? And it abode on him, and I knew him not. But he who sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom you shall see the Spirit descending, and remaining on him, the same as he which baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Okay, now, you're reading John one thirty-two. Read the, the Acts, uh, Luke, account of this incident. Okay. Hurry up. Let's go. Let's go. We've got five minutes. Let's go. 
Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also, being baptized and praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son, Read Mark. I am well pleased. Go to Mark. Go to Mark. I'm trying to show you that Jesus came out of the water into dry land. And it came to to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in in Jordan. And straightway, coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opened and the spirit like a dove descending upon him. And so when he came out of the water, the oldest gospel, the evangelist Mark, makes a comment that he came out of the water into dry land. And at that point, the dove came down and aligned with Jesus. It disappeared in his body. And John refers to that dove as the Holy Spirit. Mark, this is one of the only events in Jesus' life that all four Gospels record in detail. Yes. And the same way. That's very, very revealing. That... uh, so the presence of the Holy Spirit manifests itself in the environment, especially when repentance of sins is practiced. Why did Jesus was then uh, baptized with water and then baptized with the Holy Spirit? Because in the environment something happened, and it was repentance of sins. People were, what is, what is that John, what is that uh, Luke talks about? John the Baptist, remember? What do you say? Read it. Read it, John. Are you talking about uh, he shall baptize? Let's see. You, you talk, I'm talking about that the people that were there were, were asking for repentance of sins. Six, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Then said he to the multitude who came forth to be baptized of him, Bring forth, therefore, fruits worthy of repentance. Yes. And Well, that whole thing, I mean, the whole part of chapter 3. Yes. And he came to all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for yes. the remission of sins. So. Read that again. Baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Yeah, that's verse 3. And so you probably ask me, why did Jesus was baptized with the Holy Spirit in the Jordan the way it was? It was the environment. It was what, listen, the church in South America began their service with a prayer of repentance. Every single service. They kneel down after one song and ask forgiveness for their sins. The Catholic Church has masses three times, four times a day, all dealing with repentance of sins. We Methodists do one communion in five seconds, five minutes, all done. Take the cup, go sit down, nothing. Repentance of sins activates the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now going to Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. But you've got to do hurry now because that's the last scripture. It says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. 
And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now all of these men were in communion with the Lord for about ten days. Okay? Uh, the death of Jesus. Passover. The resurrection of Jesus. First fruit. Forty days later, ascension. From 40 days later to Pentecost is 10 days. And they were in prayer for 10 days. When you come into prayer, you're convicted. Now, I can't connect it, this teaching with the seer and the prophet, but I'll do it tomorrow. See you tomorrow. Don't leave me alone on this. Tune up. 